Welcome to The Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. My name is Emma and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today I'm joined by another amazing woman. I'm joined by Amy. Amy is an amazing solo mother of three children. Her children are 13, 10 and 8. Her oldest son has high-functioning autism with mild hearing impairment. Her youngest daughter has intellectual disability. She enjoys spending time reading non-fiction and inspirational books, learning spiritual and holistic practices, doing Pilates and yin yoga, going to the beach and walks, catching up with friends. She's studying a full-time Bachelor of Art Therapy. And if that's not enough, she's just written a book about losing her partner. Amy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Emma. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so let's let's jump straight in. Um, you, well, we started with the introduction, you lost your partner. I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. I lost my husband um, eight years ago now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he, um, we were married for 10 years, but together for 10 years before that, so 20 years. So you'd had, uh, and so you, do you mind me sharing your husband's name? Sure, yeah, it's Joe. So Joe, you'd met Joe when you were a baby. Yeah, we were 16. <laughs> yeah, we met in high school. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just, I, I knew I was going to marry him at some point. Oh, <laughs> so lovely. <laughs> and I mean, you, all of your life experiences were with Joe. Yeah, so absolutely. You, you all of them. traveled the world and. Yep, all our firsts, everything. <laughs> so yeah, we, um, we were best mates as well. So mm-hmm. I think that's what made our marriage so strong Mm. is we just knew each other inside and out yeah and when you grow up together you do you get that you know you're not the same person that you started out no you know you started out together but you do you grow together and you learn each other inside and out and um I just I can only imagine that it's like losing half of you it's absolutely like losing a limb yeah um and I, I did describe that in my book it was just you don't realise when you're a part of someone and they're a part of you for so long and then they're just gone just like that. Yeah. You really feel that a part of you has been lost too. So let's uh, let's go back and take me through kind of the, the backstory. So you yep. met when you were 16. Yep, we met in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, went out for a couple of years um, I was in business college when he was in year 12 and um, it was quite funny. Every Wednesday I had off um, business college. It was only four days a week and uh, it seemed that he was off every Wednesday at school. Oh, funny how that works. <laughs> so we would just hang out. Um, yeah. You were we, a bad influence. Yeah, I was a bad influence <laughs> on him. Um, but anyway, he passed year 12, so that was all good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we just, um, God, we did so much traveling together. Mm-hmm. Our first travels involved traveling around Australia for two years. Um, we left in 1999 and um, we spent a lot of that time up in Darwin. Uh, just living and working there Uh, and then traveling all the way down the east coast um, back to Perth two years later. Mm. Um, Joe proposed to me when we were in Victoria on um, Powlett Beach. It's very romantic. It was on um, Valentine's Day Ah. and um, yeah he just popped the question. I was just so excited, rang the family. I'm a huge sap. You have to tell the story. How did he propose? (laughs) Well, it was actually true Joe style. He's a, he's a surfer. He's very down to earth. And um, 
certainly not caught up in the clouds things. <laughs> so uh, we were just on the beach. Um, Joe had been for a surf that morning and it was getting towards um, evening time and sunset and he was just sitting behind me and I, I, I could feel him sort of rustling around in the back but, you know, I, I, I just ignored it. Um, and then he just sort of came around the side and jumped in front of me and just opened the ring box. Aww. I didn't really say anything first. And I'm looking at it going, okay, is this just a Valentine's present? That's or? it. I'm like, you've got to put words with this. Yeah. Like, you know, like I need to know before I start screaming, yes, exactly. are you just giving me a nice ring? Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I wasn't really sure. Um, but then he just said, so are we going to get married or what? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just went, oh, my God. And, um, yeah, so... That was that, and yeah, we were both very excited and oh. rang the family. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we got back to Perth, and um, we were always planning our next trip. Yeah. There was not much talk of, oh, let's go back to Perth and mm. settle, settle down, down in jobs. Yeah. Um, so the next trip, we uh, probably oh, we did stay home for about a year because mm. we got married. Yeah. <laughs> That costs a lot of money, um, so it costs you travelling yeah, down. So we got married. We bought a little uh, little villa, mm-hmm. a little home. And, um, yeah, so our next trip we just took off to Southeast Asia um, with a good mate of ours and did a couple of months of travelling before heading over to the UK. Ah, awesome. So we were in the UK for about four years. Mm-hmm. And during that time we did a lot. Yeah. We, Travelled throughout Europe. Yeah. We bought a little van and did it up. Um, we lived down in a little town called Hawley, mm. which is very close to Gatwick Airport. Yeah. Um, Joe really missed the surf, mm. but because it wasn't there, yeah. he was able to cope yeah. with it because it was so far away. Yeah. Um, but in saying that, we met up with a good friend of ours, um, Shane. He was... Um, a guy that Joe met when he was in the Mentawi Islands in Indonesia mm-hmm. on a surf trip. And we met up with him in London and he mentioned that he wanted to go invest in a boat in Indonesia because oh. he knew the boat builder. Yeah. So he told us all about it and we thought, wow, sounds amazing, good on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a few months later he rang us and he said, oh, hey guys, I, I actually can't get the money myself mm-hmm. um, to invest would you like to be a partner? Spot. Yeah. So um, we spent the afternoon um, in London mm-hmm. at a pub talking it over. And yeah, we just thought, okay, well, we've got a decision to make. Yeah. We had to send about £15,000 over to Indonesia to um, a boat builder, Indonesian guy that we didn't that know. you've never met. No. <laughs> so it was risky. Yeah. Um, but we ended up on the train back to um, Hawley mm-hmm. and we were talking about it so much that we missed our stop. Oh. We went all the <laughs> way down to Brighton. Oh, my is, goodness. You know, probably another hour. Yeah. So we, um, we did what we normally do and we ended up flipping a coin. <sighs> we just didn't know what to do and we thought, yeah. you know what, let's, let's make the universe mm. um, make the answer for us. Yeah. So we it's flipped a, a coin. Good, it's such a good skill. Like we do that as well because I think if you flip a, um, flip a coin yep. and heads this is happening, tails it isn't. Yep. 
and then you know what you're hoping for before it's even exactly. landed. Yeah. And if it lands and you go, yes, then yeah. you know you've made you the right know. choice. Yeah. If it lands and you go, oh, you go, you know what, actually, we're going to do that. Yeah, <laughs> <So> exactly. <laughs> it helps you make that yeah. decision that you actually want to do. That's it. It's amazing. Just in that split second of yeah. flipping it up in the air, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So when it landed heads, we both looked at each other and we're just like, oh, my God, are we going to do gonna this? We're going to do this. Um, so we knuckled down and saved some money and yeah. sent off all this money over to Indonesia. Um, but so brave. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our whole family were just like, are, are you, you kidding doing? me? You yeah. are crazy. Don't do it. But, you know, we, we were risk takers. We yeah. didn't have a family. Yeah. We thought, it's look, only if money. we lose this money, mm. it just means we're going to have to stay here longer um, and work longer. Travelling a bit Travel, longer. You oh, know. dear. <laughs> so... It wasn't really a um, a bad decision for yeah. us. We just we just thought, um, you know, why not take the risk? Yeah, um, it's fifteen thousand, not fifteen million. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, much to our parents' disgust, we uh, sent the money over, and um, but it was the best decision we made. <sighs> so we actually had that business for ten years. Oh wow. Um, uh, Shane, who yeah. was the guy that we met up mm-hmm. with, um, he became the surf guide on the boat. Ah. Me and Joe ran the business side of things and we started our own company called Surging Waters. So we were a booking agency yeah. for our boat. Ah. And yeah, so we both had day jobs, but yeah. this was another nighttime job yeah. that we developed this company and we got a website up and running, uh, a lot of advertising in surfing magazines. Um, we managed to get a group of UK surfers on board for ah, the first trip. Awesome. Yeah. And then it just developed from there. Yeah. Oh, that sounds, sounds like so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> it was. And, you know, I managed to get out onto the boat a couple of times yeah. as well, which was oh, a huge honour because um, it's not really a holiday destination unless you're a surfer yeah. and you're <laughs> you not a surfer no mm. no joe really really tried yeah to make me surf <laughs> um and and i did a little bit but yeah i was just way too scared of the waves and yeah. wherever he went it was um it was really for advanced surfers yeah because he was a very good surfer mm. um so he got himself into the asl magazine ah oh, wow um which is australian surfing yeah. life and, um, yeah, he was um, one of the uh, double-page spread advertising them in Tawi Islands. Um, and actually, uh, probably about a year before he passed away, um, he was in the magazine. Mm-hmm. He got um, the editor to send over the full res photo of it. Yeah. And, you know, he was so proud of the photo because yeah. usually he was always the photographer taking yeah. photos of other people. Mm-hmm. But he had this great snap of himself and... We got it blown up and got it framed um, and he was really proud of it and, yeah, ended up using it at the funeral. Mm. Yeah, but it showed what, you know, it showed who he was. Exactly. So yeah. really lucky to have those photos to be able to, you know, represent him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there was a quote that um, that they put on it. It was a Mark Twain quote mm-hmm. um, and the last three words of it was explore, dream, discover. Ah. And... Um, Probably a few years after he passed away, I was in Bali just with a friend um, doing all the naughty things you should do in Bali. <laughs> and I got a tattoo. Ah. And it said explore, dream, discover on ah. the back of my neck. So Beautiful. Yeah. What did your parents think to that? 
oh yeah my mum was <laughs> hated it uh, on Facebook she was I could tell she was screaming in big capital letters <laughs> Amy what are you doing lots all the exclamation yeah, marks exactly. yeah exactly yeah but yeah that's just one thing about me. I just, if I want to do something, I'll just do it's it. It's going to happen. Yeah. 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 So then you came back to Australia? Yeah, we did. After all those years, um, six months of those were spent also in Mexico and traveling uh, through oh Central goodness, America. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a lot of third world countries. Yeah. Um, that on its own is a whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I accidentally, or should I say surprisingly, fell pregnant in Nicaragua uh, with our first. And uh, so I came back to Perth five months pregnant. Oh, wow. Uh, So we came back to our little villa. Uh, It had been rented out the whole time. So it was all in one piece. Very good nick. Uh, and I told Joe I am not living here with a baby. <laughs> I need at least a functioning toilet and kitchen exactly. sink. <laughs> uh, so we set about renovating it. Mm-hmm. So Joe went straight back off into work. He was a design draftsman. And um, I actually looked after the, the renovation, um, which, you know, I, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, but, you know, gradually getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, it gets um, harder and harder. quite tiring. Mm. Um, yeah, then Henry was born. And um, and we ended up moving to our Wembley Downs home about eighteen months um, after when Henry was yeah, yeah. eighteen months, um, and it was just a suburb that we never thought we'd get into, but mm. we did really well with selling the little villa, yeah, um, and moved into a suburb that yeah was just surrounded by trees and oh beautiful, lots of beautiful different sort of houses. Mm. And that became our family home. Oh, nice. Yeah. And was that a fixer-upper as well? It was a fixer-upper. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we don't do anything by halves. Yeah, no. It was a big fixer-upper actually. Mm-hmm. So we um, we had Ruby mm-hmm. and uh, a couple of years later and then um, we decided, yep, it, it needs the renovation um, whilst I was pregnant with Mia. So um, I've renovated while I was pregnant. It's oh, just it's awful, and it really we, is. <laughs> we really tried to move out for about six months, yeah. but we just couldn't get a rental. Yeah, no, uh, for six months. Mm. So we lived in a boarded up, half boarded up house, um, two toddlers, With two toddlers, and yeah. pregnant. So yeah, it wasn't fun. No, <laughs> but These I are could the things see memories the are made of. Yeah. <laughs> I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it wasn't so. a train coming to get you. Yeah, so. no, I <laughs> yeah. knew that this was going to be a beautiful renovation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just thought, no, nah, we can do this. Mm. Um, so it's such a small moment in time. We can get through this. We can get through it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we started the renovations around September. Mm-hmm. Um, Mia was due in November. Uh, <laughs> oh, <so> gosh. <laughs> It was like Joe's adamant. He's like, I said, we can do this two months. We can do it. I said, look, let's just wait until after Mia's born. And no, no, it had to be done. Um, So, yeah. I'm supposed to be the one who's nesting, not you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was, he was, it was a big nester. Yeah. Um, And Mia was born about three weeks early. Oh. Oh. And um, the house wasn't quite ready. Yeah, funny that. So I had to move in with my dad and his partner, Terry. Uh, they were in Stirling. Uh, luckily, they had a little, uh, was it 
three, four-bedroom townhouse. Yeah. Um, so me and three kids with the newborn moved in with my dad. Oh, my goodness. Um, while Joe pretty much stayed at the house and every yeah. day night was trying to, uh, get it trying to get it finished. By Christmas, the day before Christmas Eve, it was ready. Oh, wow. So we all moved back in. Yeah. And um, that's just what everyone wants to be doing with three kids the day before Christmas. Exactly. <laughs> yep. As if you haven't got anything more that's to worry it. about. No. Yep. Let's move back mm. in. So, yeah, it didn't really matter that things were a mess, but um, your house together. was finally ready. Yeah. And Christmas was amazing. Um, we were in the middle of the pool was going in. Ah. So the backyard wasn't quite ready, but at least the inside the of the house, house was yeah. all done. Livable. Yep. Livable. Yeah. Blank walls, but livable. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then um, the pool was in by March mm-hmm. and I got a beautiful photo with Joe and the kids um, in the pool. He was holding Mia and the other two were, you know, swimming around his feet and yeah. holding on to him as you do when you're yeah. in the pool with your dad. Um, and I just, I remember the look on his face. He was just so, so proud in that moment. Mm. It was, you know, his vision that he'd really been... Um, looking for, you know, since we bought the house, yeah. it was like this is where the pool's going to go, and he was just so excited. Yeah. Um, and then that was in March, and he got three months out of it, and then he passed away. Did you? How? <laughs> yeah, he um, he passed away in his sleep. Uh, thirty six years old. We're both thirty six. Um, the kids found him in the morning. He was out in the lounge room. Oh, um, my goodness. And, yeah, he died from heart failure. And you obviously didn't know beforehand that there was anything no, wrong. It nothing. was just... He was fit as a fiddle. He used to ride or run into Subiaco, surf all the time. Yeah. Um, that in itself is madness. Yeah. Just, yeah, he was, just saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a bit crazy like that. It was just energetic. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just one one night here, gone the next. Um, There's just no words for that. No, no. And he was a baby. Yeah, yeah, so young. Yeah. Just, um, yeah, no, no prior warning at all. At all. And the thing is... You know, because we were soulmates, mm. I really thought I would always know if something happened to him. Yeah. Uh, even when he was out surfing, you know, the, the far out places he used to surf and I would be sitting on the edge of a cliff yeah. or rocks or sandy beach or desert, wherever I was mm. watching him. It was always in the back of my mind, I really hope nothing happens to him because yeah. I don't wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, but I always, I just had a feeling that I would know if he was in trouble. Yeah. It's just, I like would the finish twin his thing, sentences. Twin yeah. Twin type yep. thing that you yep. would, yeah, you could sense if there was an issue. Yeah. Mm. Um, and on that morning, um, absolutely no sensing at, at all. I was still in bed, um, and the kids, Henry and Ruby, they were only five and two. Um, they got up and they went out to the lounge room. Um, I could hear them speaking to him, mm-hmm. um, but they were sort of saying, Dad, wake up, Dad. And Ruby was saying, Dad, open your eyes. 
Um, but I was half asleep. I'd yeah. just got up an hour before and had fed Mia. Yeah. Um, so it was about seven in the morning. So Mia was about nine months old. Uh, Mia was six months six old. Six months old. Yeah. Um, and the kids came down the hallway and they were sort of yelling at me that dad wasn't waking up. And I thought, oh, what's he doing? Why? Maybe he went for a surf. Maybe he's not even there. Yeah. Or why isn't he getting them breakfast? Um, so I, I I did sort of quickly walk out there. I was just mm. in my knickers and <laughs> my tank top. And, um, yeah, I just walked out and I saw him on his back in the lounge room floor. Um, and I ran over and the first thing I did was I just started slapping his face. Yeah. Um, and my kids were standing right there. And firstly, Henry actually started laughing. He thought it was funny what I was doing. But then he heard my screams. Yeah. And all I was screaming was no, 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 just over and over. And the thing is, when I hit his face, I knew. Yeah. Um, but you just, you go into um, that mode of, right, pragmatic mode mm. what do i need to do yeah my phone was back down in my bedroom so i just had to run back down um and run back out and like i don't even remember the run but i remember just thinking okay amy stop think what do you need to do who do you need to call mm. you know it was triple zero and i just remember being telling them very um pragmatically like this is what's happened this is my address. My husband's not breathing. Um, and then they said to me, uh, the paramedic down the end of the line said, um, you know, check his airways. Mm. Is he on his side? And I, I just said to them, I can't, I can't. I, I tried mouth to mouth. Mm. Um, and sorry, this is probably a bit graphic, but um, I could hear all the blood gurgling. Yeah. Um, he couldn't – I couldn't get my fingers into his mouth um, because he was already stiff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did hear the paramedic on the end of the phone. He was talking to me, but I just – I wasn't even listening. I threw my phone down. Yeah. And I just kept doing mouth to mouth. Hoping. Hoping. I knew, but I just yeah. didn't want to know. Yeah. I just kept going. Um, and meanwhile, you Henry, have to, to know that you've tried everything. Oh, you do. You really do. Um, Henry and Ruby were standing there crying mm. while I was doing this and I was very aware that they were watching me. But um, it just, everything just stops. Yeah. Um, I heard the sirens and even that, Hearing the sirens, I thought, no, no, okay, it's going to be okay. Mm, they're here now. I can hear Helps the sirens. Here. It's going to be okay. <clears throat> and then um, it was actually, I didn't realise until probably a quite a while later that it, it, the police were the first on scene. Mm. Um, and a lady came rushing in. She started doing chest compressions straight away and sort of asked me to step back. Um, and she said, look, my partner's going to be in soon. Um, I would like for you and the children to step outside. And I remember just – and she'd stopped. Mm. And I remember just sitting and watching her and just thinking, why why has she stopped? Yeah. And I was really quite confused 
what was going on. You're supposed to be here to help. Why aren't you helping? Yeah. So she she actually ushered me and the kids out, and th- and then another I thought paramedic, but it was actually another policeman went running in, mm-hmm. um, and I was out the front. My next door neighbour was there. Uh, my brother-in-law was there. I was just shaking, um, and the lady policeman um, came out not long after that, um, and I just said, my baby, she said, it's okay, your, your baby's fine, because Mia was still in the cot. Mm. Um, and, I, yeah, the rest was a bit of a blur. We went, I, had, I went next door yep. to my next door neighbour's house. At some point, did you put some trousers on? Oh, my God, <laughs> I must have. I, <laughs> do you know, I actually can't even remember that. Abs- you know, at some point, at some trousers, point you put were trousers on. on. <laughs> yeah. Maybe someone came out and gave them yeah. to me. No idea how that happened. Because yeah. um, even, you know, your brother-in-law got there. Did you call yeah, him? How did he no. get the so police call? He actually was, he goes past my road ah. on the way to work. And he was um, down at a few traffic lights where the police, the police and came. the ambulance went flying past him. And he just thought, gosh, I wonder where they're off to. Oh, God. And when he went nearly past my house, he yeah. couldn't believe it. He saw mm. them all out the front of my house. Um, so when he pulled in, he he I think he thought something happened to Henry or one of the kids. Yeah. Um, and when him and my next door neighbour were with me, I just kept saying over and over, he's gone, he's gone. Oh, gosh. And they were like, who's gone? And I just I, I just kept saying, he's gone. Uh, they They did go in and have a bit of a look mm-hmm. but the paramedics um told them get out their best not to yeah um they did see him on the mm-hmm. floor um and they just yeah couldn't believe it was him yeah um and yeah next door i i made a few of the phone calls mm. um my bodily functions gave way <laughs> yeah um i was vomiting in the toilet and just um yeah, just in absolute utter shock. Mm. Um, you know, I just couldn't believe what this was happening. A- and even while it was happening, I was like, no, no, this is this is actually a dream and... I'm going to wake and up. And he's going to be okay. Yeah. I was still thinking he was yeah. going to be okay, but not. It's mm. very weird. So, Living yeah. outside yourself for that little time. Yeah, mm. absolutely. I rang my mum... And then I had to make the phone call to his parents. Um, How do you do that? Oh, it was, um, again, it was just putting on my big girl pants and yeah. just going, I have to do this. Did you have to do that? Did the police give you the option that they would do that for you? Um, Can you they remember? Weren't, they weren't actually with me at the time. They yeah. were still in the house. Yeah. So... I was sitting inside my next door neighbor's house on their mm. on their steps. My mum and my sister were with me, um, and I just remember thinking, "I, I need a I need a phone, Joy yeah. and Nigel." Um, and Nigel ans- answered the phone, and I I think he just instinctively knew by the sound of my voice because yeah. I just said, "Nigel, it's Joe," and I didn't have to say any more. I heard him break down. Um, I heard his mum scream in the background. Um, and then the next minute, at some point, they were over at my house. Yeah. 
Um, and then before I knew it, we're all sitting around the dining room table just going, what the hell? Yeah, how does this happen? <sighs> what the hell just happened? Yeah. And yeah. you've got three babies to look after. Yeah. Jeez. Um, I don't even know really what happened next. Mm. Um, it was funeral time. It was getting all that ready. Um, and had you discussed any of those things with him? No. Because you were 36. Yeah. That was that was the hard part was I wanted I wanted the funeral to be so perfect mm. and to make it so right. Yeah. Um, you know, I found that very challenging of I just wanted the right songs and, you know, to really just do it right. Yeah. <laughs> um, as it turned out, it was – and I don't like to say it was amazing, but it, it really was mm. a, a very – profound funeral there were hundreds of people that turned up yeah um he was bigger than life you mm. know he made an impact on a lot of people yeah um yeah so it was it was a very big funeral mm. and was it to, you know was it perfect did that help you it did yeah um <clears throat> we i had a few of his mates over deciding on the songs mm. and when they came on I just knew yeah I just knew yep yeah, that's that's the song um my I spent a fair bit of time down the beach writing my eulogy mm-hmm. um and it was really important to me to mm. to say the words that I did and uh, you did manage to say your eulogy I did yeah <sighs> I everyone I heard the gasps from the audience of when I stood up. Yeah. I didn't look at anyone because when I first saw the amount of people there, yeah, it's very it was very overwhelming. overwhelming. Mm. I just I wanted to get through what I had to say. Yeah. I had a lot of a lot of words that I wanted to share mm. and it was really important to me to get those out. Um and like I I made a promise to him and I just said I will always honour you mm. in everything I do. Um, the kids will know just what an amazing dad you yeah. were and how much he loved them yeah. so much. So every year for the next three years on the anniversary of his death, um, I organised um, all his mates and family down at Trigg Beach. Mm. Uh, we would write on big, on yellow helium balloons and let them go at sunset. Yeah. And for me, it was the most magical experience of seeing people be able to write a message to him mm. and let it go up into the universe yeah. where he got them. Yeah. How oh, beautiful. Yeah. So, um, again, that was another really important ritual for me. Mm. Um, and I wanted the kids to see, you know, just how much he was loved. Yeah. and The impact that he'd had on the, the world. The impact. Yeah. Mm. And does Henry remember? He does. Um, you know, being five, yes, he was young, but he had five years worth of yeah. ex- um, uh, experiences with him, yeah. memories. So, and I think sometimes it's 
children might not remember specific things, yeah. but they remember how somebody made them feel. Yeah, definitely. He he actually has a very good memory. Mm. Um, even now, he remembers so many things when he was two. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, do you remember when Dad did this? And do you remember when we went there? And yeah. Um, but for so many years, and I'm, you know, he probably only stopped three years ago. Mm. Um, every night. It was crying for dad. Ugh. I wish dad was here. Why did it have to be my dad? Um, it was extremely Really painful. hard. Yeah, yep. because you're trying to deal with your own grief and yep. then hold the grief for, well, I mean, your youngest baby was six months old, mm. so probably okay there, but yeah. holding grief for two small children as well. Absolutely. Mm. Um, that probably was the biggest learner for me was um, holding holding their grief um, and also sort of holding mine. Um, yeah, but what I, what I did learn along the way with, with children is, yes, they are resilient, mm. but you need to let them let it out yeah. when it's appropriate to yeah. them. I had an amazing um, photo book made mm. up um, and I'd just have it on the coffee table and I still have it there now. Yeah. And it's amazing when pictures are out, you know, not digital, just mm. actual photographs, that they just uh, they just go to it yeah. um, and they open it up whenever they want and it would then start a conversation. Yeah. And Mia still does that. You know, she looks at the photos and um, in her own way she will ask, what's happening here? Yeah. And, um, so then it turns into a story. Oh. Yeah. That's really lovely. So he's still... He's still part of your life every day. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he's still got pictures up and we still talk about him and the kids know when it's his birthday. Mm. Um, family celebrations, we're always cheer- cheersing to Joe. Yeah. Um, so he's never forgotten. Mm. Yeah. And does Ruby remember Dad? Ruby does. Um, she certainly has some sp- specific memories. Mm. Um as time is going on, though, they are fading. fading. Yeah. She will, if she sees a photo, um, she will re- remember it. Mm. Um, but, yeah, probably not as much as what Henry yeah. did. That difference between being two and being five. Yeah. Such a big difference. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess, how did you get through with, you had three children mm. and one of them was still a baby in arms. Yeah. How did you get through that? It really was at the beginning, one day at a time. Mm. One day. I was couldn't, Henry at school? Henry was at school. He he probably had about a week off. Yeah. But well, I was told the best thing for them was routine. Mm. So he did go back to school. It was extremely hard watching him go back because mm. he didn't want to be there. Um. I had a, so much support from my family. Yeah. The thing was I had never been alone before. No. My whole adult life was with Joe. Um, we had only ever probably been apart for two weeks mm. and that was when he went on a holiday yeah. without me. Um, <clears throat> so not only did I have to grieve him for the loss but I had to learn to be on my own mm. and look after three kids yeah. on my own. It was really scary. 
Um, I'm I, asking this as someone. So I've been with my husband since I was 17 years old. So wow. very similar. I have well, my children older than yours were at the time. But, you know, I just – I've grown up with him. Yeah. So I can – I cannot fathom. You know, we've – similarly, we've spent maximum a week apart. Yep. And, and only a very few times kind yeah. of thing. So I just – I cannot imagine how you go from such an intertwined life uh-huh. – of like it, it honestly must have felt like you had been cut in half. Oh, so much so. And so debilitating. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't feel that I was myself mm. for about a year. Um even that seems really quick. Yeah. Well done. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I remember the day I it's like my soul came back to me after about a year. Um I was a shell and mm. I had quite a few family members say to me you were just walking around like you were there but yeah. physically and mentally just not. Yeah. I could really see that um, part doing, of me had died yeah, with just him. Just doing the things that you had yeah, to do I was to on get autopilot. Yeah. So how I got through <clears throat> was having a lot of family around me. I had a family member stay with me overnight for three months. Oh, wow. Just so I wasn't on my own. Yeah. <clears throat> how did you go that first night when they – when you were on your own? When I was on my own, um, I think I felt ready. Yeah. Actually, it was my sister-in-law that that had the last stint (laughs) with me. Um, They were tag-teaming in. It's your turn to look after Amy this week. (laughs) Everyone was on a schedule. Um, You know, my mum put all that together. Yeah. Um, And I just want to say that, you know, she had a holiday booked, um, first holiday in a long time, a big cruise, she ended up going on it, but she was just so worried for me. Yeah. She didn't want to leave me. Mm-hmm. Um, she was my strength. She she supported me through – I mean, everyone did. Yeah. But she just dropped everything. Everyone dropped their lives yeah. for me. Um, I think, though, you know, when we uh, – I said my children are a bit older than yours are, and it doesn't matter how old your children are. So, yeah. you know, I remember being, it's not even close to being the same, but I remember being 36 and getting broken down on the side of the freeway and calling my dad to come and help yeah. you know, because I'm only 36. But you're still their baby. Yeah. You know, so they, they will drop everything to come and look after they you do. because these are our village. These yeah. are our people. Yeah. So. Absolutely. You know, my dad, he knew there was nothing he could do for me, so he just... He took me to my appointments. Yeah. He booked me into a grief counsellor. Um, That's really good. My dad brings me cake. Yeah. So if, anything, if anything's ever bad, he just comes with cake. It comes from the north of England. We don't talk about emotions. Yeah. <laughs> Have some cake. <laughs> Have a cake. Have a cup of tea. Yeah, exactly. I've never drunk so much tea yeah. in my life. Um, turning into oh, – my insides are coated with a tannin. <laughs> yeah. It was a really good weight loss diet. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike my dad's version where I have some cake. <laughs> yeah, mine was a cup of tea and a biscuit yeah. was all I could stomach yeah. for a, a good few months. Um, it's not a diet that we recommend. It's not. No. no it's called the anxiety diet yeah. and it's really not a healthy It's really one. not healthy. No. no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was um, – it really was living in a land of um, unknown for mm. so long. Um, oh, boy, it was, um, yeah, one day at a time. I, I couldn't even look for tomorrow. Tomorrow was too far too away. Far, yeah. It eventually got to a week at a time. Mm. 
And sometimes I think, you know, a day at a time can feel like too much as well. Yeah. You know, sometimes we just have to get through this next appointment or we Absolutely. just have to get through the next hour. And yep. you know, when you're going through this, with, did you know at the time that your children had additional needs? Um, the only thing I knew was Henry had already been diagnosed with a hearing loss. Ah. So he was three mm-hmm. when he got diagnosed with a hearing loss. So he had to wear hearing aids. Um, no. Mm. So the next major thing for me to go through was the diagnosis of Henry and Mia. And doing that by yourself? Doing it on my own. Mm. Um, That's it, on your own. You weren't by yourself because you did have I did have family. family. Um, it's but just not the same. There is nothing like having your husband by your side. Mm. Um, yeah, so the next thing was Mia wasn't developing as sort of on the timeline that, yeah. you know, you think that they should. Um, I knew that she was behind in her walking and talking. Mm. Um so, yeah, when, when my doctor said, look, I think she needs to go to the um, State Child Development Centre just to get assessed, um, it turned out that they diagnosed her with global developmental delay, mm. which I had to learn about. Um, then she wasn't by the age of six. They did tell me that if her development didn't catch up and she didn't pass this test, mm. which was an IQ test, um, she would be deemed to have intellectual disability. And it just, oh, it, it was something that I just had to swallow myself mm. and think, oh, my God, what, what does that mean yeah. for her and for me? Yeah. Um, I was too scared to face it at mm-hmm. the time to really know what it meant. Yeah, because if you look into it and you find out, then it's real. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, definitely ostrich coping. Oh, so much so. Yeah. I just and I still do it now. I put my head in the sand. Yeah, we all do. Um I don't <laughs> I don't really want to know because I I'm not ready for it. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to to go down that path. Yeah. Um but I knew she was having some struggles. Mm. And unfortunately it turned into very behavioural based challenges. Mm. Um, so while I'm having these challenges with Mia, Henry was also having behavioural challenges and there was appointment after appointment mm. with this therapist, that therapist, mm. the school, counsellors, State Child Development Centre. Yeah. It just didn't end. Mm. Um, all my life was taking yeah. Henry and Mia to appointments. Yeah. And then there's Ruby, you know, that... Get stuck, in, stuck the middle. in the middle and missed because yep. she doesn't have all the appointments no. to go to. Um, so it was a whirlwind of um, of just coping yeah. for many years, up and down with all that. Yeah. Um, Henry did finally get diagnosed with high functioning autism mm. at the age of nine, which is quite late. Yeah. But it really helped because then they can get specific mm. intervention. Yeah. By the time he was nine, you know, 10, 11, he was getting easier for me to understand. Yeah. Um, I did have to adjust my parenting. Mm. Um, and with special needs, you, unless you really, really learn so much about it, you just feel that your kids are not behaving right mm. or they should know. Why aren't they doing this? Why mm. aren't they behaving like 
yeah. that child over there. And you've just got to learn that they are who they are. And yeah. it was the biggest learning curve for me, but I, I had to do it on my own, Yeah, which was um, really uh, affected my mental health. And it, it's really hard because I think it, it can be really helpful to have someone to tag in and oh. just go, you know what, yep. I'm done. I can't fight with this therapist anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't. I just can't. Yep. I need you to tag in. It's your turn. Yep. You take it for, you know, I just need you to take just for half a day. Yeah. You know, you make this phone call. You organise yep. this. Absolutely. I need a break. Absolutely. And you didn't have that. I didn't have a, it. It, it broke me. Mm. Um, the system's not made to be easy. So it's really difficult oh. to navigate. But trying to do that through grief mm-hmm. on your own with two children yep. that both have those additional needs. Yeah. Yeah, it was really difficult. Yeah, and you just as as a parent, uh, mum, you keep going, mm. um, but inside you you're like a boiling pot. Yeah. <laughs> you are simmering. Yeah, and you know, no wonder if someone mm. says something to you, you just flip your lid <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because you're just already on boiling point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess it teaches you resilience. I dream of a day where I don't get called resilient. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. It's, you are so resilient. And I'm like, I don't want to be resilient. It's not a choice. That I had to go through <laughs> to get resilient. I don't know if it's a good thing to it's learn. Not. It is not a good thing. No. It's really not. No. It means you've had to just endure, endure mm. the hardness of hardness yeah. to get through to find yeah. some resilience. Yeah, that's and it. Sometimes resilience is. Just putting on a happy face and going, okay, I've got a lot of stuff going on, but I'm just going to choose to ignore I'm it today. I'm here anyway. I'm going to smile and be happy. Yeah, today I managed to put on trousers and a bra. <laughs> exactly. I'd like a gold star, please. I haven't brushed my teeth, yeah. but it doesn't matter. All of my children made it to school, though. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so going, going back, yeah. if you think about um, – what was most helpful for you? Gee, um, time out. Mm. My family, friends, um, giving me time out. Yeah. Um, even if it was just for an hour, I I really found out quite quick that. I need that yeah. for, for self-love. Mm. I need that to clear my mind. I need that to function yeah. as a mum. I imagine it must have been really difficult to try and hold that space for for Ruby and Henry yeah. to allow them to feel as though they're safe and to make sure that they have space to be able to grieve that they the way that they need to. Yeah. But to still have that connection with you and at the same time you think, when's it my turn? That was the absolute hardest. Mm. It was being pulled in so many different ways. So when I went out for my hour or three hours, um, I actually had to choose to not think about anyone else. Yeah. Because if I didn't, I never, ever got that mental time away. Yeah. So I made that decision to be okay Mm. with mentally and physically and emotionally leaving them yep. for three hours. And knowing that they're safe. They're absolutely fine. Yep. They're with family that love People them, that, that, love are, them. <laughs> that are just supporting them. 
Um, through school, they were getting some really beautiful care with um, with the pastor. They were doing a rainbows program, mm. and I just think that that r- absolutely needs to run in schools. Now, I've heard of the rainbows program, mm-hmm. and I remember when I heard about it, thinking that is such a great program. Absolutely, but I've forgotten what it is. So the Rainbows Program really helps any children uh, of primary school mm. age going through any sort of grief, yeah. trauma, loss. And it can range from my kids were the only ones through death of a mm. parent, but there were other kids there with their dads that were FIFO uh, that yeah. weren't home very often. Mm. There were kids there where um, there was separation um, and there were kids there where there was some abuse. Yeah. And um, but you know what, the kids don't care what's happened to each yeah. other. They're just in this beautiful, loving environment, um, and they're able to share in a very gentle form what's yeah. going on for them, mm. even without them actually not knowing yeah. that they're sharing it. Yeah. So it's all through a workbook. Mm. It's through stories. It's through um, examples. They get to, you know, do normal things like colour in. Yeah. But it all it all means something. Mm. Um, they bring home their little workbook. They have a little confidentiality agreement Aww. that they share with the with the chaplain yeah. to say, you know what, this is your book. Yeah. You, whatever you do in here, you don't have to show anyone. Yeah. Or you can show mum mm. or dad, whoever you like. Yeah. Um, that was a once a week for about a six weeks yeah. program. And again, that <coughs> means that somebody else for that once a week is holding that space oh, for your children. I so needed that. Yeah. I really struggled. To share that with, load. Absolutely. Mm. I wasn't a counsellor. No. You know? <laughs> um, I'm I, barely qualified to be a mum. Uh, exactly. <laughs> you want me to be a counsellor as well? <laughs> I didn't want to put that hat on. Yeah. I had a million other hats. Yeah. And for someone else just to take over that for me mm. was a huge relief. Um, and to be honest, just going forward a bit to now is why I'm studying art therapy. Yeah. Because it's so important for kids to have that third person to go to for support, healing. Safety. Safety. And Mm. to take a a load off the parents. Yeah. Um, Yeah, for me, that was, it was a place where I knew that at least somewhere they were getting some feelings out. Mm. And, um, yeah, I just thought it was an amazing program. I I wasn't quite ready to send my kids off to a psychologist. Yeah. I didn't know what else to do. Yeah, I didn't know where to send them. Mm. I didn't know if sending them was the right thing to do. It's really hard because do you make it bigger by sending exactly. them to a psychologist? Or yeah. do you... You know, I don't want to make something out of something that's not there, but that's at the same right. time, how do I support my children and make sure they're okay? Absolutely. It's really um, difficult. I think I found my own way in the end and it really was – it generally happened at night time because mm. kids are busy during the day yeah. and that's really good for them. Mm. It's night time when we were reading stories, they were going to bed um, – I just I just hugged them. I gave yeah. them so much love. I cried with them. Yeah. I didn't try to make it better. Mm. I said when Henry said, "It's not fair, mum," and cried. 
I cried with him. Yeah, and it's I not said, fair. It is not fair. It is so not fair. Yeah. I am so, so sorry you don't have your dad. Yeah. Um, and eventually we got to the point where we would all cuddle up in bed. Mia was a bit young, so she was in her cot. But me, Henry and Ruby, um, we'd all be on one bed. And instead of reading them books, um, I made stories up for them. Yeah. And it was almost like a meditation for me at yeah. the same time. And they loved it. We're like, Mum, Mum, can we have that story tonight? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, uh, I don't know. I can't remember it. <laughs> yeah, it didn't matter. I yeah. just started off with once upon a time there was a fairy and yeah. she jumped over a big rock and it just – I didn't even know where it was going to lead. Yeah. Um, but it was just a beautiful thing that we could do together. Mm. And even though I may have not have been there during the day – I may have not sat down and played board games with them. Yeah. I knew that that night we were together. And had that connection. And we had that connection. Yeah. And we we are so close, mm. all, th- all four of us. Yeah. Um, have just got such a beautiful bond. And I feel like because they had that bond with me from such an early age, mm. um, it really is what's made them who they are today. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they really look after me. Yeah, and but I haven't put them in the position. Yeah, I haven't said right. You're the it's man your of job the house. To, it's your job to yeah. look after me. Mm. They just naturally um, are just beautiful, yeah. giving children. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, really lovely. Yeah, was there support at the school for Henry, as in in the classroom? You know, ha- he had to come into the classroom yeah. and share that. His dad had died. Yeah, so. he was only in pre-primary. Because um, how do you prepare the rest <sighs> of the class for that? Yeah, it was um, it was pretty hard. Um, I think the teacher did tell the children, but it was also a very interesting dynamic because a lot of parents hadn't even talked to their kids about death. Mm. So it was... A discussion that I believe was had with the parents in a group setting. Um, The parents were just so supportive of me Mm. and Henry um, and the school was too. It was was a time where, yeah, Henry was definitely given a lot of um, kind of time in school to adjust. Yeah. And if he didn't want to go one day, he didn't go. Yeah. Um, There's much more important things than missing out on playing blocks in pre-primary. Pre-primary. Even Um, in Year 12, you know, I still think that there's times where you prioritise ATAR English with, um, you know, making sure that you're functioning. Absolutely. Mm. A health day. Yeah. Yeah. A me day. Yeah. Yeah. I think school was quite good for him because he did have that routine. Yeah. And kids are so, like... They're just oblivious. Yeah. So, you know, they are really what happened to your dad, Henry? Oh, he died. Oh, okay. Do yeah. you want to play trucks? Exactly. <laughs> it's yep. just, all oh, right, that happened. Yep. Let's move on. And so, some of his friends said, oh, that's sad. Mm. And he said, yeah. Want to play trucks? Exactly. <laughs> and that's, you know, I love kids for that. Yeah. Because it just is. It just is. That's mm. right. It really is. It's, yeah. it's harder for an adult because... yeah. You feel, you know, people have, and and that's something I discuss in my book is um, in the grief survival guide is what to say and what not to say Mm. to a grieving person. 
um, and I think in society as a whole, we're just not taught grief. So we we're don't really know how to talk about it mm. with the grieving person. No. And we don't know how to be with the grieving yeah. person. Mm. It's, it's kind of, um, it's tricky. It is. In my life outside of this, I do a lot of things, but one of them is I work as a funeral celebrant. Oh, wow. And you're right, it is really difficult. Yeah. And people are afraid to, they're afraid to say, someone's name yeah and they're afraid to well if I bring it up will I remind them yes I can pretty much guarantee at no point have you forgotten that your husband died eight years ago <laughs> so it doesn't matter yeah. if I bring it up or not it's exactly. not going to be a surprise to you that he died yeah absolutely but perhaps hearing somebody say his name and and remember something yeah that may bring you some sort of relief that somebody else remembers him or you know those kinds of things yeah but we are we're brought up to to fear death and for death to be shrouded with shame. Oh, so much so. And I think, yeah, um, you know, there's a quote which is something along the lines of we have three deaths. So one is when we take our last breath, one is when our body returns to the earth and one is when our name is spoken for the last time. Oh. And I think while ever we can, we can talk about people, then we get an opportunity to to keep them with us in some way. Yeah. Uh, so I always think that when people go, oh, well, I, I don't want to mention anything. You know what? That's possibly a missed opportunity to Absolutely. bring someone some sort of peace. And if they don't want to talk about it, they'll go, you know what? I can't do this today. Exactly. So. Absolutely. Mm. It was so important for me. I think that's why I did so many rituals and so many get-togethers. Yeah. And, you know, I got his um, beautiful photo painted on my wall and um, – you know, I just wanted to keep him alive in people's mm. memory. Yeah. Because I certainly wasn't going to forget it. No. <laughs> um, and for people to talk about him, it made me feel like, yes, yeah, let's um, keep his memory alive. Mm. And that makes me feel happy that you're talking about yeah. him. It's like you're respecting him. Because he did have a big impact on the world. He you know, certainly hundreds of did. people came to his funeral. Yeah. So... Let's let's rejoice in that. Yeah, mm. yeah, and um, he, yeah. I, I think grieving people, yes, it might make them sad, but they need that. They need yeah. that um, knowing that you can talk about him. I think the worst thing is is for it to be skimmed over yeah. and brushed under the carpet. Yeah. It's it's awkward then. Yeah, and that one of the other things that I see with funerals is there's all the focus on the grieving family yeah. up until the day of the funeral. And then it's like, oh, well, we've got closure now. We can move on. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. But actually, no, my life doesn't just go back to normal now because the you know, funeral's, because over. The funeral's no. over. Now's when the grieving actually really starts. Absolutely. And then quite often, so you were really lucky that you had those family that were there for you for those yeah. you know, three months to gradually wean you, wean you off yeah. that support. <laughs> Yeah. But for a lot of people, it's like, oh, well, the funeral's over now. I'm back to work and yeah. everything should just go back to normal. Yeah. And that's not the way it works. It's really when you feel you're most isolated mm. and you're most scared and vulnerable and angry. Yeah. Um, there were so many times, and this is even going into years after, yeah. that every time you step out your door, you're reminded. Yeah of who you don't have. Mm. There's couples together. There's yeah. families together. There's people going on holidays together. Um, 
just going and watching your child get an honour certificate Oh, my at God. School. That's, you know, that's probably the hardest thing. Yeah. Is watching your children in sporting activities. Both parents are there egging their child on. Mm. You turn up alone. Again. Again. It's, it's a reminder every single day. Yeah. And people don't realise, even now, eight years on, I still go to parent-teacher nights on my own. Yeah. I still go to sporting events on my own. Mm. I still go to barbecues, family barbecues on my yeah. own. I'm, it's still there. Yeah. Yes, I'm smiling. Yes, I'm happy. And it's not as hard, but it's you're still on your hard, own. But I'm still on my own. Yeah. Um, it just, it never goes away. Yeah. On a, on a lighter note, and I know I shouldn't be making fun of this, but were there things that that were Joe's roles that you were like, oh, great, now I've got to do that. You know, like my husband takes oh. the bin down and fills the petrol up. Oh, my like, God. You know? So many things. <laughs> I don't even know where the petrol tank is on yeah. my car. <laughs> Those are the kinds of things I'm like, oh, God, I'd have to learn that. Oh, my God, so many things. Cleaning the pool. Ah, yeah. Oh. So cleaning the pool. I'm sorry, this is his pool. He wanted it. He exactly. Was to, he agreed he was going to clean it and That's look after right. it. Oh, cleaning the pool is just a mission. Yeah. Um, yep, taking the bins out. Yeah. Um, Fixing stuff around the house. Oh, so many little things yeah. like just handing something over, like an email and say, can you just take care of that? Yeah, um, yeah. it's definitely house maintenance is, is a mm. big thing. Yeah. Um, holidays, you mm. know, uh, planning holidays was sort of his thing. Yeah. Getting us out and about was his thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there was a lot. Mm. There's a lot, so much I had to learn. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, I call that resilience and learning and look at me, I can do all this by I don't myself. Do it. But I had to do <laughs> yeah. it. You know, my kids wanted a photo on the wall. I had to learn how to <laughs> use a drill. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of things I had to learn. But you know what? I would quite easily give that up yeah. to have not learnt it. Yeah. That's it. I'm happy to not be resilient and have my husband back there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Were there any – this is not going to be worded well, but yeah. was there any silver linings? Were there any moments that you've kind of gone, well, out of a really mm. dire, terrible situation, this happened? There are. And that's what keeps me going. Mm. Um, so many silver linings, I guess – I, the first one I found was um, I started doing things I never thought I could possibly ever do or get into. So after he passed, um, the house was a bit of a blank canvas. Mm. I started just doing rooms up, painting them, putting curtains up, yeah. um, buying stuff off Gumtree and putting it on the walls and, like I said, learning to use a drill, yeah. really getting quite creative um, and in that, it was moments where my grief was not there. Yeah. I was so therapeutically involved in, in this creative mm. activity. I just felt like alive mm. again. Um, so quite a few months of just doing that around the house. And I started, I thought, you know what, I'm going to, this is a new direction for me. Yeah. And I um, decided to sign on to study for a Diploma of Interior Design. Oh, wow. So I studied full-time from home <laughs> while looking after the Three kids. children and a baby. <laughs> yeah, with a baby. Yeah. Um, and, it, yeah, interior designer 
diploma. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So, yeah, that that really got me onto the line of, uh, of a new career, mm. something I, I loved doing. Yeah. I um, was pretty good at it. Mm. So, yeah, there was definitely that silver lining. Um, it didn't last overly long. I really threw myself into it. Yeah. I had my own company. Um, getting clients was really hard mm. and doing the whole business thing on my own, yeah. on my own was really, really hard. Yeah. Um, I fell into a bit of a, oh gosh, this is hard. I really can't be bothered. I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. This is really hard and I'm not earning any money. I'm not really loving it anymore. Mm. Um, the challenges with Henry and Mia were getting very, quite severe. Yeah. I felt myself going downhill um, and there was a time there where I rang my sister from the beach and I I was just having a really bad day with Mia and her behaviour and she said, oh, look, I'll come over this afternoon and we'll, we'll get a plan in place. Mm. I'll, I'll help you. I was like, okay, okay, because that afternoon I had to be at the school to watch them run around the oval. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I decided... I thought, no, I can't go home right now. I'm going to go sit down at Joe's Park down mm. at Trigg. And I sat down there. It was it was a cool day. The wind was blowing, but the, the sun was out. And I was, had a nice big black jacket on and I sat down. I was quite sheltered. And I just was so exhausted. Mm. I laid down. I couldn't get back up. Yeah. I cried and cried. And my body literally gave in. Um, I started hallucinating. <laughs> I started seeing all these faces, like doctor faces, come oh. in and out. Um, I wanted to walk into that sea and not come back. Mm. I looked in the ocean and I just thought, how easy would it be just to swim out and not come back? To yeah. me, that just sounds like peace. Mm. Um, I, I, a couple saw me lying on the rocks and they, I heard someone yell out, are you okay? And I was that exhausted. I just put my hand up to kind of signal to them mm. that I'm not too sure. Mm. But they walked away thinking that was a yes. Okay. I had my phone in my back pocket of my jeans and it took me three hours just to reach behind to be able to grab it. Yeah. Um, in that moment, I just wanted to be whisked away because mm. I just didn't want to do life anymore. That's it. You need somebody else to come and yeah, take I, I needed someone to to take over. Yeah, I rang my mum mm. and I said, "Mum, I'm I'm down at the rocks. I can't." And she just said, "Oh my god, Amy, have you taken something?" And I said, "No, <laughs> no, but if you've got something, <laughs> I'm open to suggestions." <laughs> I just said, "I'm." I'm gone, Mum. I just yeah. I can't I can't do this. She came and got me, um, took me back to her house, um, rang the doctor. Mm. Um, I just I was just exhausted. Yeah. Um, didn't quite make it to the kids <laughs> running around, <laughs> running the, around oval. the oval. I can't remember what happened there. Um, but again, my mum to the rescue. She she stayed at my place over the weekend. Mm. And I went and stayed with a friend down in Mandrill for about three or four nights just to get away, mm. um, just to do me. Yeah. 
I needed that. That was, again, that was just a, that break that I needed just mm. to come back to and recharge. Um, but, yeah, I had, I had many um, downs. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was, one of, that was definitely one of yeah. my lowest moments. And I think that it's something that people often think about that wouldn't it be easier if I just didn't wake up in the morning or yeah. wouldn't it be easier if I went out and I just didn't come back? Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between that and actually having a plan. And, oh, absolutely. You know, and, um, you know, and how are you going to do it and when are you going to mm-hmm. do it, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, but it's knowing to reach out for help and that yeah. there is so there is that support network there for you and whether yeah. that's your family or whether it's through organisations like Lifeline and Beyond Blue, those kinds of things, yeah. that there are places that you can reach out for help and... Yeah, I think yeah. part of those silver linings is knowing that you've got such an amazing support Absolutely. crew that are on your side. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're support crew, they're cheerleaders, they're yeah. everything that you need them to be yeah. when you need them to be, which is really beautiful and really Absolutely. lucky to have. Oh, I was just so lucky yeah. for the supportive family. Yeah. Yeah. And so going all the way back to the beginning of this conversation um you have written a book i have written a book yeah. so in between <clears throat> six months all of those things yeah, <laughs> in between all that in between covid um and knowing that i was going to start this art therapy bachelor i had six months to um i pretty should have done nothing but <laughs> yes. you know be mum um but no i decided to write a book mm. so um i was down the beach one day and i just had a feeling just had a feeling that I needed to write this yeah um I yeah during COVID it kept coming up on my Facebook about you know how to write a book in yeah you know certain amount of time and um yeah I I thought I need to do this because Mm. not only just for a, a personal journey but also everyone that I come into contact with is so amazed by my journey mm. um, and how I got through it and the, the sort of the ups and downs, I just thought, you know what, if I can actually share this with other grieving widows, mm. um, they won't feel so alone. Yeah. And for me in the beginning, feeling like a widow, a young widow, mm. was probably the most intense feeling I just thought I was the only one out there yeah. grieving. Uh, and a, a friend's mum lost her husband at a very young age as well and was told by Centrelink, you're too young to be a widow. Oh, oh well, I'll tell my husband to get back up again, <laughs> shall I? Like, what do you mean I'm too young to be a widow? Yeah. widow? But that reinforcement that you are alone because, well, mm-hmm. you're 36. What do you mean you're a widow? Exactly. It's, it's, it's um, yeah, being a widow is, is I guess, uh, comes with an age of, year old yeah 80 um, year olds are widows exactly. not 36 year olds yeah so. that's right yeah. and unfortunately there are there are a lot of us mm. i'm on a young widows facebook page and sadly there are 20 year olds who are who are widows um it's just it's not spoken of mm. and um yeah grief gosh you know it's 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 such a um a huge line you know you've got from one end of the spectrum to the next yeah. and grief and losing a, a husband partner is just one of those aspects mm. um and i know through writing the book and the feedback that i've had mm. it's helped people that are going through divorce it's helped people that are just stuck in life yeah 
Um, and one of the things that's happening now, you know, from last year to now, all this COVID stuff is um, we've all lost a purpose. Mm. We've lost our freedom of travel. Mm. A lot of people have lost jobs, you know, lost loved ones yeah. to the virus. Um, grief being on this huge spectrum is um, something that I really feel needs to be out there now. Mm. You know, like I, I said in... Um, a speech that I said earlier that driving a car you don't get in a car unless you learn how to drive it yeah. first imagine getting in and being given no lessons mm. you wouldn't you'd crush the car you yeah. wouldn't know what to do and it's the same with grief why learn it when you're in it yeah why can't we learn a little bit about mm. it before we get in it yeah and teach our children yeah. Um, Train for the moment, not in the moment. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, my children, because of this experience, we've sat down and we've talked about what's, you know, I don't want to scare them, mm. but um, it's really important to have those conversations. Kids, one day I am going to be gone. Yeah. But you know what? This is what you're going to do. Mm. This is what I want. Um I know it's not going to be nice when it happens yeah. and it's so far away. Yeah. But let's just get this conversation out there. Yeah. Because once you're gone, you can't you can't belt back and knock yeah. on the door and go, "Oops, I forgot to tell you this." Yeah. Yeah, I I had a com I was really quite young. I was 19 and had a conversation with a loved one who was dying and um wanted to know what his what he wanted mm. this to look like and yeah. what he you know, what his choices were. And my relatives were absolutely horrified. Wow. You can't talk to him about that. Mm. He knows he's dying. Yeah. Like this isn't going to be a surprise to him. Yeah. So this is a way that we can give people some control. Absolutely. Uh, but people are just so afraid to have that conversation yeah. because, you know, what is it they say? Death and taxes. The, yeah. You know, the two things that are, are non-negotiable in life. <laughs> so, you know we're all we're all dying yeah it's just the speed that you're running at really absolutely <laughs> so i think it's because it's a like a morbid conversation mm. people don't want to go there um but it's such an important one yeah it really is and yeah. it's it's not until us as a society can open it up mm. and be okay we're talking about it you know just because you talk about it doesn't mean it's going to happen. I talk exactly. about winning the lotto, but that hasn't happened That's yet. Right. <laughs> and it's important for for us to teach kids to say the actual words, like yeah. he died, yeah. um, he's dead, yeah. it's death. Mm. You know, let's use those words because they're real. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we lost him. Well, where did you put him? Exactly. So kids do not understand, yeah, uh, yeah th those sort of words. And he's not lost. No. He's still with you every day. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so those are, I guess, some of the themes that run through your book. Yeah, they are. Yep. Which we're just going to give that a shameless plug, Sink or Swim. Sink or Swim. That's Available. Correct. Available on my website. Which um, I'll put the link in the show notes. Yep. Um, they are available online through many bookstores, mm -hmm. um, but if you uh, buy it through me, I'll personally sign it and post it out. And yeah, fantastic. And you do so. You um, said about the car analogy. Um, so you do go out and do speaking events as well. I do. Yep, I've got a few speaking events coming up. 
uh, which I'll always post on my Facebook page and my Instagram page. Which will also be in the show notes. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and absolutely, if there's anyone out there that um, has got an event coming up where they would um, like to hear my story, mm-hmm. they would like a little bit more information about grief, um, you know, the, the second part of my book, the grief survival guide has mm. so much in it yeah um that that's that's a whole uh topic on its own yeah. <laughs> and so you spoke about the facebook group with um for young widows yes is that one that we can share a link to as well so is it a private it is. group that you people do have to need to join, join? the group yeah. and there is a administrator Questions, yeah um but um and i'm pretty sure it is just for widows, mm-hmm. um, but any of those Facebook sites, honestly, they are absolutely amazing, and they weren't available for me no. when I, back then. Eight years there was ago, nothing was very different. Absolutely, mm. um, they are such a great support. They're yeah. there for venting, mm. just you're having a bad day. Um, they're there for positivity, anything that you need it to be. Yeah, and. and I- I think it's really good as well to have to have that group of people where you can go and vent, but yeah. at the same time, that you know they're there to hold you when you need it, but they're yeah. also there to celebrate for you and oh, cheer absolutely. when things go well and yeah, yeah, or being able to to know that an anniversary is coming up and they know what that feels mm-hmm. like, but at the same time, the celebration that you want to have of somebody's life and yeah. you know people who get it, people who have been there, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, there are you know obviously some families that don't support their grieved family or it may be um culturally really hard for them to uh really talk about how they're feeling Mm. so yeah those facebook groups um are are really really positive for that yeah and that's it you have an amazing village you have an amazing tribe an amazing community that surrounds you of real in-person people absolutely your family whether that's by blood by marriage or by choice yeah They've been there for you. But you're right. Some yep. people don't have that. Yeah. But it's really important to ha- to find that support. Absolutely. So yep. social media, I think, has given us the ability to do that. And Facebook does seem to work really well in that you can have those conversations, whereas yep. Instagram's just, look at how amazing my life looks uh, today. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I look, I look so good today. Yeah. Um, absolutely. The mm. Facebook pages are a really good support. Yeah. Did you find any other good support? networks out there oh, i did um i am quite a i guess a spiritual person mm. um the very beginning i did see a clinical uh grief psychologist um that just didn't work for me um but what really helped i saw a holistic counselor and i guess what she did was <laughs> She didn't go straight to the point. I you know, didn't just like dive in there and go, right, let's talk about this death, shall we? Yeah. Um, it was scooting around it and it was um, in a very gentle way. It was rediscovering myself as well mm. along the way. Yeah. Um, so that actually... You have really to define who you are as a single oh, person. Absolutely. I had to find out what songs I liked, yeah. you know, what... Um, anything favorite food is all of those kinds of things yeah who is amy i had to figure that out so that was my journey as well Mm. yeah and before we wrap up because i've realized that i was so engrossed in hearing your story that i've gone way over time i'm sorry (laughs) Um, before we wrap up have you got any final thoughts oh gosh um 
final thoughts for me um life is too short Mm. life is too short to not take risks yeah not take a chance not be who you want to be um you know i live my life for now Mm -hmm. because now is all we have Mm -hmm. Uh, i have goals um i have a future plan but hey if it doesn't go that way that's right um Mm. I just uh, live for each day. I live for love, mm. uh, for love of family, love of my kids, um, love for the universe. And, yeah, I just love um, sp- spreading positivity to other people. You can really – you don't know what other people are going through every no. day. So, you know what, that little smile, the mm. wave that you give them might just make their day. Yeah, and that's probably something as well that – People often in our society, we work on comparisons. You know, well, you think your yeah. life's bad. We'll go and visit the oncology ward <sighs> in the, you know, the local children's hospital. Yeah. Just because somebody has it worse doesn't mean that your suffering isn't still suffering. Absolutely. And I think too often we can negate what we're going through because we're too busy comparing it to somebody else. In the same yeah. way that on Instagram, you're too busy comparing how amazing somebody else's life yep. looks when you're going through something bad. Yeah. You're going, oh, well, it could have been worse because somebody else has got it worse than me. Yeah. That doesn't – it doesn't take away from what you're experiencing. Exactly. And and it doesn't take – just because you've got it worse than somebody doesn't take away from what they're experiencing either. That's so right. You're right. We don't know what other people are going through. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes, you know, giving them a smile or telling them that their hair looks amazing or, yep. um, you know – seeing how they're going today yep. can make a huge difference. It really does, yeah. Mm. Paying it forward, That's spreading it. just a little bit of positivity. Yeah. Um, we've only got one life, so let's live it. Let's live it and make the most of it. Absolutely. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing so openly and honestly mm. and, and everything that you had to share. Uh, and I will make sure that we've got links in the show notes to all of those places where they can find you and some of those supports that you spoke about as well. Yeah, you're absolutely welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Emma. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of A Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. For more information on the services we offer, head to whws.org.au or Women's Health and Wellbeing Services on YouTube and social media. Looking forward to the next episode where we uncover the hidden world of women.